Welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle from Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. In this podcast, we talk about sustainable investing and how your portfolio reflects your values. Do your investments seek accountability from corporations that govern more and more of our society and even the lives we lead? Listen in as we explore the question, are you investing like you give a damn? Hello and welcome to Deep Impact Investing with Kimberly Griego-Kyle and Johan Clausen from Horizons Sustainable Financial Services. Today we're going to be talking about global climate change and how it directly relates to the explosion of carbon energy reserves. That's what I've been told and I'm pretty excited to hear what they have to say. Good afternoon, everybody. How are you? I'm great. I'm doing good too. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, yeah. It's nice to be with you again, Eric, and um, we're looking forward to having this conversation. It's a big conversation with a lot of our clients over the last several years. So yeah, there's, and there's a lot of information out there about carbon energy and divesting versus engaging in the, uh, the conversation around carbon energy. Nice. I'm ready to learn. Let's hit it. Yeah. Great. Global climate change is probably the, the biggest, um, issue that our clients come to us asking how, how they can, uh, adjust their portfolio to help avoid Right. That we, nobody wants to have the world burn. Uh, right. Well. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, Johan, it's it's interesting because uh, I don't know, maybe what a good 35 percent of our clients are divesting now from carbon energy. Is that about the number? Could be. Yeah. I'm not sure. I haven't looked at it recently, but yeah, uh, it's the number one uh, biggest uh, request that we're getting is to have portfolios that are completely divested or as close to completely divested as possible from carbon energy companies, coal companies, oil companies, natural gas. Yeah, it's it's a it's been a big issue. I would say probably for the last six or seven years. Definitely. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's a it's a big. It's a big movement mm-hmm. in terms of divestment. And, and there's always, of course, the engagement portion too. Sure. But divestment has is, is been the, the move to process, I think, yeah. over the last couple of years. So the, our, our plan for the conversation here is to talk a little bit about what the problem actually is, you know, and a little bit of the local uh, impact that we're seeing here in New Mexico to talk a little bit then about the couple of different approaches that we might take to how would we address the problem uh, within the context of our client portfolios. And then a little bit about what we actually are able to do and what we can do and what we have been doing f- with and for our clients. Yeah. So Johan, you have a lot of these statistics and I don't want to overwhelm people with statistics, but um, why don't you tell us what the problem is? Yeah. So uh, right now, I just looked this up this morning. As of uh, June this year, June 2019, uh, the carbon dioxide concentration in the atmosphere is at 413.9 parts per million, almost 414. Most of us know or have heard that uh, 350 parts per million is uh, an upper bound that we shouldn't have, (laughs) we should should never have crossed that line. And we did a few years ago. And right now, you know, we're uh, almost 70 parts per million beyond that. So, well, okay, 63, 64. This is a problem because uh, carbon dioxide is a greenhouse gas and it traps the heat in the atmosphere and then feeds it. There's feedback loops that feed that back, that heat back out of the atmosphere into the oceans and onto the land. And it causes tremendous climate disruptions. 
one of the other f- things that's going on uh, here in New Mexico, too, in particular, uh, has to do with methane. Methane is another greenhouse gas, 86 times more potent uh, greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide. And here in New Mexico, in the Four Corners area, there's a tremendous, a huge plume of methane visible from space. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, not not in visible light, but uh, it, using uh, specialized cameras, they can actually see the methane plume over the Four Corners region. It, they estimate, NASA estimates that this Four Corners methane hotspot uh, is the largest open source of methane release in the United States, probably about 10%, give or take, probably more, I think, of the U.S. natural gas industry's total output. Yeah, and of course, in New Mexico, our state budget is funded by oil and gas. Right. So this is a problem that is going to persist right. here in this state. We've actually seen just at, uh, just in the last few days, in the last couple of weeks, uh, there's been a big push from the New Mexico Oil and Gas Association. They've been putting out some really interesting... Um, Propaganda? <laughs> can I say that <laughs> yeah, word? Probably, yeah, we can. Sure, yeah, it's our podcast. About, <laughs> sure, talk, they're they're making the claim that um, that there's a whole bunch of out of state activists coming in to you know from New York and San Francisco and other scary places like that to try and tell us good New Mexicans uh, what we can and can't do with our oil and gas reserves, and at the same time, you know, the, some of the things that they're pointing to as the as the influence of these out-of-state activists is um, things like op-eds by the um, local mayors of Aztec, New Mexico, and Durango, Colorado. I guess that counts as out-of-state, but right. but folks who are directly impacted by the by the methane plume, by that hotspot. Um, if that's you know, those are the folks who are causing trouble. Well, you know, I, I'm well, pleased I- to be. I think we have to count ourselves in that. We've we've written a couple of op-eds as well, so that's right. I, I'm we proud have. to be a troublemaker in that that list. Right, and and last spring uh, we participated in a a couple of um, presentation panels here in Santa Fe and down in Albuquerque, talking to local leaders and uh, and some state representatives and senators um, about the problem with uh, with methane and natural gas in New Mexico. So you know we've been. I don't want to say on the front lines of this, but we've been participating in this kind of conversation in New Mexico for the last several years. Yeah. So, so that's the problem. And that, I mean, that's the simplified explanation of the problem because we could go seriously in depth, but you know, we, we, we don't, don't have to get that nerdy, right. We don't get that nerdy and we don't have, we can't show photographs, you know, so, so we can't do that, but, but let's talk about approaches to solutions. And, and from our perspective in the financial piece of this, there are two approaches to the solution. There's divestment and there's engagement. Right. Right. Yeah. So divestment would be the, uh, the basic idea is that, well, if you don't want to participate in the problem, if you don't want to be connected directly to the problem, you can sell all of your shares of whatever um, carbon energy companies uh, might be in your portfolio. Um, that's difficult to do in the context of a regular, straightforward, ordinary, uh, non-sustainable, responsible impact investment portfolio, because just about every regular, ordinary mutual fund owns some shares of ExxonMobil and uh, Chevron and um, the big coal companies. 
but it, within our subset of the industry, our sustainable impact investment industry, it's actually relatively easy to put together a, a divested portfolio that doesn't contain any of those carbon energy companies. So there's there's a couple of reasons that we might think that this was a fine idea, right? In addition to the straightforward moral argument of, I don't want to be involved in that process. Uh, there's some financial arguments why we, why we ought to buy ought to be divested. Right. Yeah. I, of course there's the financial piece of it, you know, why we should. And, and part of that is the, the stranded assets piece, right? Yeah. And, and how, you know, how do we explain that on a financial level, the, the, the stranded assets piece? Well, stranded, the, the idea of stranded assets is that, um, as regulations are developed around use and exploitation of of carbon energy, you know whether that be through a carbon tax or some kind of limits on how much of the crud we can pull out of the ground, there's going to be some of the uh, identified oil and gas deposits that are just not going to be able to be used. Um, and so part of the the valuation of those oil and gas companies is based on, the stuff that they know about that they own the rights to that's still underground. So if, if they're not allowed to take that stuff out of the ground, then part of the valuation of their company is going to be lost, stranded. Um, and so if we know that that's a probability and that that's a likelihood for those companies, then we probably ought not to own those companies because they're, they're overvalued right now. And their, their shares are going to drop and right. Right. So yeah. you buy it at, $20 a share and five years, 10 years from now, it's going to be worth 10 or a five. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot less. Yeah. Yeah. And then as we move along in this process, what we expect, you know, in, in the, the other financial pieces that there's going to be a lot more competition from alternative energy companies. That's right. Yeah. I mean, that's the expectation, right? Yeah. And I think that those two go hand in hand too, that, you know, as, as regulation comes in and, and gets um, stronger, it's going to be easier and it's going to be, uh, the, the competition is only going to get more intense, right? So that those uh, alternative energy companies will be better and better positioned. Part of the conversation about the stranded assets uh, idea here, though, leads us into the, the sort of second reason why we might think um, that we should divest from carbon energy companies. And that's that, well, as our friend Hunter Lovins said in a podcast we did a couple months ago, the problems that carbon energy companies are running into with these uh, regulations that are causing stranded their assets to be stranded is just going to open the door for even more and better, stronger competition from alternative energy companies. So the alternative energy um, industries, you know, solar and wind and, and uh, hydroelectric and um, what am I thinking? Geothermal, Geothermal. Um, those kinds of energy sources as the uh, as they get more mature, uh, as those ind industries mature, they create more and more competition for carbon energy companies. And the, the stronger competition creates even more pressure on those carbon energy companies. And we believe, I, you know, Hunter is pretty sure that it's going to be sometime in the next five to 10 years that carbon energy companies are going to go completely out of business, that they will have to go completely out of business because of the pressures from regulation and from competition from alternative energy. Yeah. Hunter's, Hunter's projections are very short term. They will likely 
be a little longer than that, but you know, Hunter's Hunter's got some. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's it's a difficult projection to make, but it will certainly be less time than fifty or a hundred years. I think so. Right. Yeah. yeah, I think that five to ten year uh, time frame is. Well, it would it would be optimistic from a from the alternative energy side of the, of things, but it's certainly pessimistic from the carbon energy companies. <laughs> Absolutely, side. yeah, yeah. But sometimes these kinds of transitions, uh, industrial transitions, go very quickly. So it could very well be that she's onto something there. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And she's yeah. she's got a very powerful message. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and you know when we we look at the financial argument as well, you know the the third and I think a very strong argument is public pressure and reputational risk for for companies because you know it, the public pressure we're seeing a lot of absolutely right. over over the years. But you know in terms of reputational risk, there's lawsuits there's you know all sorts of of issues around that and and that costs companies money well and every time there's a spill every time a- the, uh, an oil rig blows up then pipeline fire you know right and, yeah yeah or every time a pipeline is is being pushed across uh, native lands or yes. you know then those companies get you know their names are in the paper or on the news in ways that that uh, aren't good for their share prices. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So those are, those are some of the right. essential financial arguments, I think. And then we, we come to the the fiduciary argument, um, which for us as fiduciaries, I think is a, a, a fairly important piece. And, and that comes to the, you know, the, the financial arguments are, we should divest. The fiduciary arguments are, we may. Yeah. Some divest. people, some folks might want to say, well, you know, yeah, it would be, there are financial reasons maybe to go ahead and divest from these companies, but you shouldn't do it because that cuts out an important part of the of the marketplace. And then there are a whole bunch of these companies that you just can't invest in and and you have to be able to earn maximum profits according to according to some people's understandings of what it means to be a fiduciary, what it means to be responsible for other people's money. But we don't think that's true, you know. Um Fiduciaries are required to act according to a prudent process to invest money prudently, not for maximum profits necessarily. And we see that, you know, the short to midterm portfolio returns, when we look back at recent history uh, and we say, well, what would happen, what would have happened to a portfolio if we hadn't owned uh, any of these carbon energy stocks? We find the research is right there that there's no significant impact. Over over significant you know short to midterm uh, timelines, and we know we can look at those long term risks. You know when we look at the current CO two concentrations and we say, okay, we have to keep approximately twenty. Uh, we can only burn approximately twenty percent of the remaining carbon energy reserves without throwing the world into a complete environmental collapse. There's a long term risk involved in owning carbon energy companies. So we believe that those, you know, those couple of, uh, of fiduciary arguments really do establish that we, that we may, and maybe, maybe must, uh, from a fiduciary standpoint, uh, exclude those companies. Yeah. So we, these are the, the two, I think, important divestment reasons, the, yeah. the major financial arguments, the major fiduciary arguments that say divestment is a important, an important option here. Right. Yeah. It certain it certainly needs to be something that we uh, that we consider. On the other hand, some folks really stop 
uh, at that divestment thing and uh, uh, idea and say that's what I what I want to do. That's what I feel I need to do. And there are some of the uh, some of the investment companies that we work with um, who provide the backbone of the uh, carbon energy free, fossil fuel free portfolios that we provide. They are all on board for that. Right. Um, they really think that that's the way to go. Right. Um, there are some of our clients though who who want to maintain ownership of the shares in carbon energy companies in order to continue to use the shareholder advocacy levers. Absolutely. Um, and to engage with those companies. And we've talked a lot about engagement and how important that is mm -hmm. on, on other podcasts. And, and I, I've had a number of clients who say, well, I, I do like the idea of divestment, but I own a car. Right. And yeah. I buy gas. It's not an electric car. And right. so, and, you, know, you know, we can't, we can't simply shut off uh, all of our carbon energy sources or all of our carbon energy uses right now. We, we don't have the, um, the infrastructure in place to make, uh, to, to have alternative energy supply take all of that um, out of our system. You know, not all of us have electric, I don't have an electric car yet. Right. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, so for the moment, we just simply don't have the infrastructure in place to be able to handle, to make that clean energy transition immediately overnight. Right. And, so, and storage of, of solar and right. energy and those types of things still need to be bumped up. I mean, they're, they're not perfect. So exactly. Yeah. So those are, yeah. So you know, the carbon energy companies, uh, even, even at, um, even with Hunter Lovins's, um, extraordinary prediction of they're going out of business in the next five years. That's five years worth of them in operation, doing what they do, pulling the gunk out of the ground and refining it. If we don't remain engaged with those companies and keep them, I don't, uh, keep them honest, <laughs> keep them, keep them moving in the right direction, keep them moving in the right direction. Right. Uh, you know, we can continue to stay engaged with those companies so that they do their, um, extractive, uh, work in as, as clean a manner as is possible. Um, and if we don't do that, uh, if we don't re remain, uh, engaged with those companies, then will they feel like they have license to do whatever the heck they want? I, I think um, that's certainly a possibility. Yeah. And so if we don't keep the pressure on them through our, you know, one of the key levers that we have as uh, owners of those assets, as owners of those companies, is to keep the pressure on those companies to make sure that they continue to operate as cleanly as possible while, we think, <laughs> they prepare to shut themselves down effectively. And maybe they, they, will, maybe they will use those, their so-called green initiatives as ways to try and, and keep themselves in business out past that five-year, 10-year time frame. And maybe that'll work, but I still think that there is uh, some power uh, to be used in the shareholder advocacy. Oh, I absolutely believe that. I, I believe that shareholder engagement is a very powerful tool that we have. Right. And it, it makes a lot of progress, especially when you're making, for some of these companies, the, the business case for what they can do to to make these positive changes in in their practices. Yeah, and and we do see some of the carbon energy companies making claims at least that they're moving in the direction of being an energy company um instead of just an oil company. Um and 
So we think maybe uh, that some of them are actually getting the idea that they're going to have to stop exploiting those carbon energy resources at some point. And they want, if they want to stay in business as an on, uh, ongoing operation, we believe that they're going to need to change their, um, their emphasis entirely. Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting decade, I think, in terms of energy mm-hmm. and will continue to be so. Yeah. 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 So understanding that some of our clients want to take a divestment stand now and not wait for um, engagement to have its impact. We have put together some zero carbon energy portfolios for clients to help them. Um, but a lot of our other portfolios and a lot of our other clients really still are uh, interested in maintaining their their small but meaningful uh, holdings in some of those corporations so that we can continue that engagement. One of the things that we've heard from uh, from some of the companies that are continuing to hold on to those carbon energy corporations um, for engagement purposes is that they're setting, they're starting to think about setting timelines and say, look, you guys, you carbon energy companies, um, this is our time frame. You know, we have these uh, time-related targets that we want you to hit this target by this date and that as we go along, we're going to be divesting our shares uh, because we can't maintain these investments in perpetuity. We have to, we have to take some actions. Um, and so there's this kind of hybrid divest to no engage to divest that approach that's coming into that's being used by some of our, our mutual fund and, and um, separately managed account um, partners. So I, I think that's another interesting approach to say, well, we're going to blend those two. Yeah. Um, and the, and some of the big energy companies really aren't interested in engaging anyway. Very um, true. Very true. So it's, it's, you know, some of the, the biggest names aren't interested in, in engagement to begin with. So we're divesting from those. Uh, some of the smaller corp companies are still interested in that, in that engagement are willing to partner with us um, and make some kinds of changes to the way they do business. And those are the companies that we see the most progress with, really. Right. Yeah. And those are the ones, therefore, that we see in our portfolios. Right. Because we know we can talk with them. Yeah. I, I don't know about you, Johan, but um, one of my favorite questions that I get uh, from from clients, <clears throat> new clients specifically, when we're talking about, do you want to divest? Do you want to use the engagement portfolios? Is which one performs better? And um, my response to them is always, well, you know, in our company's simple plan, Johan has the divestment portfolio and I have the engagement portfolio. And it really flip-flops back and forth. Yeah, it, it so, has been. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so so we can actually tell you that there really isn't going to be a lot of performance differentiation. And and I find that kind of interesting. So I don't know about you, but... Um, yeah. Well, yeah, I I find it fascinating that on the sh- on the short term, um, you know, quarter to quarter, month to month, yeah. it really goes back and forth. Over the longer term, uh, all of those flip floppings back and forth yeah. wash. Uh, so our our portfolio performance last time I looked at the end of the quarter here was over the longer term almost exactly identical. Yeah, <laughs> which is cool. It is cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, which which really shows that they're 
both important processes. Mm -hmm. And I tell clients, you, you should choose what's in your heart. And it's not about performance per se. It's, it's really about what is most meaningful to you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this has been a, a very interesting conversation and I really hope that, um, folks find it fascinating and, uh, and if they have questions, they can certainly reach us by calling us at 505-982-9661 or sending us an email. And either one of us can respond at any time to info at horizonssfs.com. We love to talk about this stuff and we're happy to answer any questions and anytime. We can. And we're happy to dive into the weeds and look at the numbers and get as nerdy as you like on this stuff. Yeah, especially Johan. <laughs> and who doesn't love nerdy? Oh, right yeah. This? yeah, yeah. Nerdy right. the new but, sexy, right? Yeah. That's right. <laughs> That's what I've heard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, thank you guys so much. This was, this was great. And uh, I love the information. I, I think that you made a really good point. A lot of people don't understand. Well, I don't know if it's that they don't understand, but they don't always differentiate between the purchase power with their wallet and then their investments. Like you had brought up the the whole, well, I'd like to do this, but I have a car, you know, and I have to right. use gasoline and I have to, you know, buy oil to to do A, B, and C. But there's a big difference. You you kind of have to have a car nowadays. And and if you can't afford the electric car um, of your dreams, which my wife would love to get one at some point, but we're just not there yet. You have to settle, if you want to call it that, for a gasoline powered vehicle. Right. But you don't have to settle when it comes to your investments because there are a lot of options out there. So I love what you guys are doing. And I love that that's part of the message today. So thank you so much for your time. Absolutely, Eric. It's It's been fun. We do love to talk about this stuff. Good stuff. All right. And thank you all for listening to the Deep Impact Investing Podcast with Kimberly Greg O'Kyle and Johan Clausen. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Kim and Johan come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening today. For everyone at Horizons Sustainable Financial Services, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Deep Impact Investing Podcast, the sustainable, responsible impact investing podcast that shows you how to get your voice heard. It's time to start investing like you give a damn. To ask a question that we can answer on an upcoming podcast, email us at info at horizonssfs.com or join the conversation on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash horizons sustainable financial services or give us a call at 505-982-9661. Don't forget to click the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes become available. The companies we may speak about during our podcast are not recommendations for investment only. You and your financial advisor can determine what the right investments are for you and your situation. Horizon Sustainable Financial Services is a registered investment advisor registered with the state of New Mexico and other jurisdictions were registered or exempted. 
The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guest and do not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Horizon Sustainable Financial Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.